Thank you for joining us this morning. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. John chapter 14, verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Benson, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Please join us to sing in hymn number 264, once more.
once again, we'll sing hymn number 24, And Can It Be That I Should Gain? Hymn number 24, standing as we sing.
after Goliath, like Paul and Silas, after the jail. I'm thankful like Daniel, after the lions, Lord, I'm Stand as we sing hymn number 208, Grace Greater Than Our Sin.
Amen. It's good to be together today in the Lord's house. God's awful good. The music's been great. The challenge and encouraged my heart, uh, as I hope it has been to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you would join me there this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I think you'd probably have to be living on a different planet not to realize that uh, we live in some troublesome times. And uh, to know about all that's going on in the Middle East and all that's going on there. And so I was thinking this week um, and uh, was reminded of a book that I came across in 2010. Um, it was called Understanding the Times. It was written by uh, Paul Chapel, And it's one of those books that is um, kind of preacher-esque. Um, what he does a lot is he'll preach a series of messages. Uh, they have a ghostwriter who takes it, converts it into a book, and it gets published. Um, and bigger works, they can do those kind of things. And so forth. So he did this book on understanding the times. And I was thinking about uncertainty of the times that we live in. And then about a year ago, he came out with a revised edition of understanding the times, which I wanted to pick up because it was the revised edition. The old edition wasn't going to do me much good to be outdated and have, you know, um, information that was way dated when we're dealing with where we are today. So I picked it up. And then as I was thinking about those things, and I began to think, you know, with the uncertainty of the world and having this knowledge, it'd probably just do us good to uh, have a couple of messages. What I did in 2010 is I actually preached through the book. There's like 14 chapters, and I took them, I read them, I digested them, and I put a lot of his information because it's documentation back into sermons, and so it's going to seem a little different. I feel almost like I'm teachy today uh, rather than, you know, preaching, but that's okay because the Bible says that we're to preach and teach and exhort with all long suffering. So it um, may seem a little off of how I normally preach, but I think it'll do us good, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you can, uh, stand with me in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. We begin in verse number 1, 1 Thessalonians 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For ye yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Let me just clarify as he's talking about being children of the light. He's talking about those of us here today who would know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He lives inside of us. This book is a spiritual book. Okay, uh, a natural unsaved individual will pick this book up and may find it very difficult to read and definitely difficult to understand, especially when they get to portions like Daniel and Revelations and 
not having the Spirit of God to lead them makes it very difficult to understand. But as children of the light, we who are saved and on our way to heaven, we know that this book opens to us not just how to live this life here that we're living now, but it also has prophecies concerning the future of our world and how this is all going to end up. And uh, it has prophecies that have been fulfilled. That's what strengthens us with the prophecies that are being fulfilled. That every prophecy that has been fulfilled has been fulfilled to the letter. And it's not been lacking. And so we can have great confidence in this book that we hold in our hands. And so today we're going to consider, for when we shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your goodness and your love to us. I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us today, that you might be honored and glorified through the preaching, teaching of your word. We'd ask for a working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Uh, Lord, as children of the light, give us understanding and insight into your word. And Lord, if there be some here that they don't know you as our Lord and Savior, Lord, today might you use your word to draw them to you, that they might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. You may be seated. I would say this as we begin. Uh, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd encourage you uh, to seek that out and to uh, take care of that as soon as possible because we don't know the day and the hour. We don't know. We, we as children of the light, we're looking forward to a coming event. And that coming event is the rapture of the church. All the saved are going to be raptured from this earth. The, those who do not know Christ will be left behind. There's going to be seven years of tribulation. Three and a half won't be so bad. Three and a half will be horrible. And then there's going to be an uprising against God. God's going to come back and establish a thousand-year rule and reign. But the point is, is that if you have had the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you refuse it today and we, the church, are raptured out of here, you'll not have another opportunity to accept that free gift of salvation. So uh, unless you're uh, great at gambling and you can see all the odds and know all the ends, your soul is not something to gamble with. It's something that you need to take care of. You need to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Our first point today is going to be this. And by the way, the title uh, will be The Basis of Biblical Prophecy. The basis of biblical prophecy, as I mentioned from the book, Understanding the Times. Point number one is this, the rise of end-time voices. The rise of end-time voices. You've probably heard with me this phrase, the new world order. September 11th, 1990, George Bush, in a message to the joint session of U.S. Congress during Desert Shield, talked about the new world order order. That's the first place I remember hearing it. And then from then on, through the Bush's extent in offices, you would hear it quite regularly. I find it interesting that on September 11, 2001, we experienced the horrible terror acts on American soil. I just thought that date, September 11, just interesting to me. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to you. And I don't even, I can't even tell you what it means. I just thought it interesting. The basis of the new world order consists of a new world government, a world economy, and a world religion. 
Now we've seen this being pushed upon us for the last several years. The basis of the New World Order consists of the New World, the, the government, a uh, New World economy, and of course they're trying to go to a cashless economy, and they're going to try to make that worldwide, and a world religion. Those who push for the surrender of national sovereignty and a world government headquarters and a world court. So they would eventually just like to link all mankind together. Boy, does that ever sound like the Tower of Babel? I mean, it really does. Uh, and so they, that's their goals, to bring, bring it all together. There's already an operation like this in the Netherlands, where there is the European Union court, and there's already talk about entrusting greater power to the president of the European Commission. The rampant spread of globalism is fueled by the driving desire of a world economy. The Great Recession of 2008 seemed to accelerate the discussion of centralized control of the world's economy. Then the COVID-19 pandemic and its effects on the economies around the world has added new dimensions to those discussions. The Economic Forum annual meeting in Davos in the year of 2023, so this year, this was written about it. We are implementing programs that will ensure that our citizens have access to affordable smart devices and possess appropriate digital skills to harness the benefits of digital cashless economy. So everybody needs a cell phone. Boy, does that sound familiar. Everybody needs a cell phone, and then everybody needs to know how to work it. That's going to be the hard part, right? That'll be the hard part. All for the benefit of a cashless economy, which I don't want to go to a cashless economy myself. That's another thing, but that's my segment. The final phase of the new world order will most likely be a world religion. The idea of a world religion is being presented by all major religious leaders around the world. From the Dalai Lama to the leaders of the World Council of Churches, the ones promoting this want a religion without Christ as the head. The world religion would stand against social injustice and to promote the saving of our planet. Brother Mike has shared with me several books over the last several years that document this very well. In 2022, the following happened. The Pope uh, was speaking, and he's speaking about religion. He's, he, religion's key to building world peace and understanding. Notice the phrase there, religion's key to building world peace and understanding. He did not say the need of Jesus to build world peace and understanding. He's talking about religion. Religion is empty. Religion is dead. I mean, we go to a number of churches throughout our fair city here and find a number of them that are dead, that never pick up the book. They have leaders that don't even believe in the book. They don't believe that heaven's real, heaven, uh, hell is real. They believe it's all right here, what we're living and what we're doing. And they want to promote this green idea and social justice. All this without the mention of the cabal with their conspiracy theories. So the voices against Israel. The voices against Israel. 
The most prophetic event in the last 75 years was Israel becoming a nation again. I kind of felt sorry for uh, Hamas as they started this campaign. I thought, do you realize who you're picking on? You know, do you realize it? There are many who are unhappy that Israel exists. Boy, we can see that everywhere, can't we? Iranian president said, with God's help, this was in 2001, with God's help, the countdown button for the destruction of the Zionist regime has been pushed by the hands of the children of Lebanon and Palestine. By God's will, we will witness the destruction of this regime in the near future. It is their desire to see Israel totally annihilated. The growth of anti-Semitism actually confirms the God of Israel as the true God and his word as completely reliable. When uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, we have the prophecies of Russia and Iran coming together in a coalition against Israel. Uh, Israel's a very small nation, approximately the size of the state of New Jersey. It is only 260 miles long and 60 miles at its widest and about nine miles wide at its smallest. Israel is surrounded by 22 hostile Arab Islamic dictatorships that combined are over 640 times her size and 60 times her population. And yet I would pick Israel to win. Every day, Israel is attacked and pressured to concede to the voices around them. Does it, does it bother you that all of a sudden... They are attacked, they have their innocent pulled out, murdered, raped, killed, and then people want to step back and say, hey, 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 quit picking on them. Don't, don't, don't go after them. Cease fire, cease fire. And the, the truth of the matter is eradication needs to take place to resolve the issue that has happened here. The voices of the last days of history. Not only do we hear calls of a new world order and cries against Israel, but there's a growing belief that we are in the last days. People are enamored with the idea that the world as we know it may be coming to an end. Pagan cultures around the world have distorted stories of a worldwide flood or the creation of the world and even the destruction of the world woven into their cultures. Likewise, many religions around the world have variant stories and expectations related to the end of time as we know it and a coming world ruler. Many in our world seem to want to set a date for Jesus' returns, but a true biblicist will never set a date because of Matthew twenty four thirty six. But of the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only there are one billion people or one billion other people to bible believers that are looking for a world ruler to appear so not only are bible believers but there's another one billion people looking for a world ruler to appear and i think that we will find that platform will increase as days go on the world is ripening for the coming of the antichrist many believe that he will be a deliverer a solver of world problems, ending the world as we know it, 
ushering in a new age of peace and safety, and that, if you study Scripture, you find fits right with the tribulation period. Three and a half years, the world is in upheaval. The, the uh, saved have been raptured out. There's this upheaval now in the world, and there will be a ruler, the Antichrist, who will step forward. He'll bring peace and happiness and contentment to the world, but it'll only last three and a half years. With all the voices today, there's one authoritative voice, and that's the Bible. Numerous prophetic truths are given in the book of Revelation, and Revelation is a source of consolation and comfort to the Christian today. Revelation shows the consummation of what commenced in Genesis. Revelation comes from two Greek words that mean unveiling. So the book of Revelation is the unveiling of God's plan. Christ, as he was here on earth, prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6.10. So I mentioned Revelation shows the consummation of the, uh, what commenced in Genesis, and here's a few examples. So in Genesis, the commencement of heaven and hell or heaven and earth, in Genesis 1.1. Revelations, the consummation of heaven and earth, in chapter 21, verse number 1. In Genesis, we see the entrance of sin and death, in Genesis 3.1-19. through 19. And in Revelations, we see the end of sin and death, in Revelations 21.4 and 27. In Genesis, we see the dawn of Satan's activities, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And in Revelations, we see the demise of Satan's power, Revelations 20:10. In Genesis, we see the expulsion from paradise, chapter 3, 23 through 24. In Revelations, we see the entrance to paradise, chapter 21, 23, and 24. In Genesis, we see the plan of redemption foretold, in chapter 3, verse 15. In Revelations, we see the plan of redemption fulfilled in Revelations 20 and verse number 6. In Genesis, we see the tree of life relinquished in chapter 3 and verse number 24. In Revelation, we see the tree of life restored in Revelations 22, 2. In Genesis, we see the curse engulfs creation, chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. In Revelation, we see the curse eliminated from creation, chapter 22 and verse number 3. In the, uh, Genesis, we see the beginning of sorrows, chapter 3 and verse number 16. In Revelations, we see the banishing of sorrows in chapter 21 and verse number 4. In Genesis, we see the formation of all nations, chapter 10, 1 through 23. In Revelations, we see the finality of all nations, Chapter 19, uh, verse 15, and chapter 21, verses 24 through 27. In Genesis, we see the formation of Israel, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And in Revelations, we see the finality of Israel, Revelations 20, 1 through 6. And so, quite interesting when we think about the scripture and how it relates and how it reveals the prophecy of the coming. Second point is the revelation of Bible prophecy. The revelation of Bible prophecy. Second Peter 
chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, we read, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as to a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Peter, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, reminded his leaders that he was leaving behind a more sure word, a written record of God's spoken word. Aren't you thankful to have a Bible? I'm so thankful for my Bibles. I've got Bibles from when I was a kid. I've got Bibles through uh, you know, my, my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. and my 50s. I've got a bunch of Bibles. Um, my plan when I get a Bible is not to keep it pristine. My plan is to use it. I'm a mechanic by trade. Mechanics, what do we do? We go out and we buy tools. We don't buy them to set them in a nice, beautiful tool chest that never, never gets touched. No, we buy them to use them. We buy them to break them. We buy them to bend them. We buy them to make money. That's the whole point of having a tool is to use it. And so it is with the Word of God. Our Bibles ought to reflect that they're used. I've got Bibles from my grandma. I've got Bibles from my mom, Bibles from my dad. I'm thankful that they're used Bibles, that they weren't just pristine, still wrapped up, afraid to, you know, get anything on them. I've got one Bible in particular when we first came to church here, and I'd just taken on pastoring. I was still working a full-time job. It was Wednesday night at the dinner table, and I'm trying to get all crammed up and ready to go for Wednesday night. And Nathan was sitting next to me, and he knocked over uh, his glass of pop, and it just soaked, soaked, I don't know, half a dozen pages in my Bible. You know, those are precious memories. I had soaked pages from my kid, hallelujah. But it just reminds me of some of the prices that were paid early on, that I had to work a full-time job 50, 60 hours a week, and pastor too. I mean, what a, I'm glad I was young. I couldn't do it today. There's just no way I could do it today. Precious memories. Our Bibles ought to be great tools and precious memories when we pick them up and we look at what we've marked and what we've written and what we've acknowledged here in the Word of God because it is the more sure word. In 2 Peter, verse number 1, 14 through 16, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me Moreover, I will endure or endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For ye have not followed cunningly devised fables when we may known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, I've not been to heaven to witness the majesty of our Lord, but I've been to Isaiah chapter 6. I've been to Revelations. I've seen and read about the throne room of God. I'll not, I'll not be able to look back and say, while I was here upon this earth, I ate bad pizza and saw it. But I will, when I get to heaven, be able to recognize it through what I've read in the Word of God. It's not going to be different when I get there. It's going to be according to the Word of God. This passage is one of many pointing to the preeminence of the Word of God 
and the place that it must take, that it must take in the life of a believer if we are to grow and serve God as we should. Do you realize that we may well be the last Christian group before the rapture? We may be the last possessors of truth. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Are we going to study it? Are we going to know it? Are we going to be able to answer of the hope that lies within us? Are we going to say, well, you know, I'm living, I'm living for the world here. I've got, I've got retirement to look at. I've got this to look at. I've got that to do, and I've got that to do. Listen, Christian friend, this needs to become most important. This needs to be important in our life. This ought to be something that we, that we digest, that we consume, that we then spread out and that we share with those around us because we may be the last hope of this world before the rapture happens. When we think about the Word of God, uh, we need to realize how do we approach the prophecies of the Scripture and what process do we use to understand them accurately? The first one is that we interpret literally. Now, some mock the practice of literal interpretation, but in reality, their scorn is a reflection of their low opinion of the Bible. In the literal sense, makes good sense. Seek no other sense. Let it result in nonsense. In other words, we need a good literal interpretation of the Word of God. God has spoken His Word plainly enough. We understand that there are times when the Bible uses figurative language. For example, Jesus is called the Lamb of God 28 times in the book of Revelation. This does not mean that he's a literal lamb. The term lamb is in reference to Christ, is intended to give us a, symbol, a symbolic picture of Christ as our atoning sacrifice. But symbolic use of lamb does not eliminate the literal truth of Christ as our atoning sacrifice. Figurative language is not a problem for those who interpret the Bible literally. The literal method of interpretation does not preclude recognition that some terms are used symbolically. Literal means that we take words in their usual or commonly accepted sense. Our interpretation of those words is also controlled by the context in which they are found. Whether or not a term is to be interpreted symbolically and how it is to be interpreted are both determined by the context in which it is used. We also need to understand contextually. We must interpret Bible prophecy in context. Scripture must be understood in grammatical, doctrinal, and historical context in which it is set. We view each passage in context with the whole Bible. The Bible is the best commentary for the Bible. The Bible will not contradict itself. Bible prophecy is history written in advance. It's God's forecast for the future, and it's always 100% accurate. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man 
that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. As we study, we focus on God's pinnacle moment of prophecy, the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Most evangelical Christians hold to the dispensational premillennial view of eschatology, which looks forward to the rapture of the saints to heaven as the next major step to be fulfilled. This, they believe, will end the church age and prepare the way for the tribulation and the return of Christ. Scott, if you would pull the uh, thing up that I gave you. There you go. Here's a timeline. I know that if you've been in church any length of time, you are in total agreement and understand this, but there may be some who have never seen this before, and I think it's important for us to recognize it. There was a proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem as this timeline begins, and it lasted 69 weeks until Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. That's what the cross stands for. We read there, Messiah cut off. When Jesus Christ was crucified, he had come to affect the nation of Israel. They rejected him, and so salvation then came to all mankind as a reject of that. And so when the Messiah was cut off, when Jesus Christ was crucified, it began what is known as the church age, okay? The church age. This is the age where the church has come. The problem is, you may notice on Facebook, there's a lot of guys that don't think the church age is going to end. They think the church age goes all the way through, that somehow the church has replaced Israel as God's chosen people. And I think we can go to the book of Revelations and sew that up pretty quick, that that's not proper interpretation of the scriptures. We believe that the church age is going to end at the rapture. We are enjoying now the church age where Gentiles can freely come and accept this gift of salvation. It's for all mankind. Anyone who would come can be saved. Anyone can be saved during this church age. But it will end at the rapture. At the rapture, you see the arrow pointed up. Uh, we're going to meet the Lord in the air uh, to be with him. We will go to heaven with him at that time. And I believe at that time that we will find uh, the time where we will stand before the Lord. Our works will be tried. I believe that we'll experience the a marriage supper of the Lamb, that we will be doing those things while we're in heaven. While we're in heaven for seven years is going to be a time of tribulation. Now, some would like to think that maybe things are so bad, maybe we're in the middle of tribulation now. And I'd just like to say, just think how bad that tribulation is going to be. You think it's bad now. It's going to really get bad before the Antichrist can come and just suck up the world into his one world leadership. And so the rapture happens, seven years of tribulation. And that's why we're pre-tribbers. We, uh, we believe before the tribulation, we will be gone, pre-tribulation. After that seven years, there's going to be an uprising. Again, the world is going to seek to destroy Israel. God is going to come back. And he's going to fight on behalf of his children. And he will win. Can we just say God always wins? Let's just say that. 
God always wins. So, he's going to win. Now, if you come on Wednesday night, we started a study in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, as we get into it, will be a study during the millennial reign of Christ. That is the next event after Christ comes and defends Israel. He then sets up a millennial reign. Millennial meaning a thousand years. So for a thousand years, Jesus will come to this earth. So you get all the, the funny things when you talk to people, you know, like, well, if Jesus was here talking to me, th- then I would get saved. If I, could, if I could see him, I'd get saved. No, no, no. A bunch of people did that. They didn't get saved. Well, you know, if, if, uh, if, if, I, if I could just, if I could this or if I could that, I just know if, if there wasn't sin, you know, during the millennial reign, sin for the most part is going to be gone. The curse will be gone from the ground. Satan will be bound into the chains of darkness and the chains of hell for the thousand-year reign of Christ. At the end of that thousand years, he's going to be loosed. And we don't know how long. It says for a season. Now, what, whether that's a week or six months or it's five years, I don't know. But I know what, when he's loose, he then culminates all mankind again because there's, even in the perfect environment, there's going to be sinful people and they're going to choose to follow Satan at the great judgment that will then take place that leads us into eternity. There'll be another war. Christ wins. Then comes the judgment of all mankind, the great white throne judgment. Christians have already had their judgment back at the rapture. Amen? And so it's the judgment of all mankind who have ever lived, that have never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, and we will gather as each and every individual that's ever lived will be judged at that time. And then he establishes eternity. Where those who never accepted Christ, death, hell, and the grave, Satan and his horde of angels will all be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. We who have accepted Jesus Christ will go to heaven to be with him for eternity. That's where there will be the wiping away of tears. Be no more sickness. It's the perfect environment. We will be in heaven with him forever. Understand the times. Know where we're at. So by understanding the times, understanding that the, the things of this world have to get bad, they have to. They have to. It's really why it doesn't matter who's in the White House. Jesus is on the throne. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. Things must go bad because we're going to leave. Hallelujah. Won't even have to pack a bag. It's going to be awesome. You say, well, I, you know, I, I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, then if you can legally do those things, you might want to do them because we're going to go to heaven. I think it'll be soon. Now, realize that when they wrote this, they believed it was going to be soon. It could be another thousand years. Does that change what we believe? No, it shouldn't change what we believe. We know he's coming. Maybe in my lifetime. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great, Jim? Wouldn't you rather face the Lord in the air than an undertaker in the grave? 
Man, I'm telling you, I would. I want to go to be with Him. We need to study the Word. Study the Word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for the truth of your Word. I pray as Christians, and I know it's easy to say that we value the Word of God as the Word of God and that it makes great impact in our life, but Lord, I wonder if we really, really let it make the impact in our life that it should. I pray that you'd help us to consider the importance of the Word of God and how we ought to read it, study it, and apply the things that we find there to help us in our walk with you. Thank you for the sure word that you've given us. Thank you that although we live in troublesome times, that you're on the throne and you've got a plan, and we're waiting for your fulfillment of that plan. Help us to be faithful in sharing Christ with others, that they might be able to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. I don't have any of my friends that I want left behind. I don't have any of my family members I want left behind. I don't even have enemies that I want left behind. God, give us the boldness to tell others about Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to support missionaries who go around the world telling others about Jesus. Help me to be less worldly-minded and more heavenly-minded to give to help those to go to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time together this morning. Use this invitation however you would see fit for your glory. We love you. We ask these things in your blessed name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to sing, I'll live for him. Christ spoke into your heart. I'd encourage you to come, whatever you need. The altar is open. If you're here without Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to take a Bible and share with you from the Word of God how you can know that you're saved on your way to heaven. Brother, if you would. My life, my
mentioned uh, the book, Understanding the Times. If you're interested in getting a copy of that, I think it's like, uh, uh, well, I don't know how much it is. It says it's $17 back here. I got it for 9 bucks on sale. Uh, if you need information where you can get it, uh, Brother Lalo, he knows everything. He'll be able to help you out with that, okay? Uh, so we have afternoon service today at 1 o'clock. I encourage you to come back. Uh, if you have no place to go, uh, we're going to have breakfast. There's nothing like having breakfast. I love breakfast. They call it brunch. I'm sorry. We call it brunch. We're going to have brunch. We're going we're gonna to munch on brunch, okay? Uh, so we're going to we, we have big potluck. Uh, we do this once in a while. It's the breakfast theme today, biscuits and gravy and all that good stuff. Uh, and so uh, feel free to stay. Uh, you're in a Baptist church. Baptist church is full of Baptist cooks, and I don't think you'll find any better cooks than Baptist cooks, okay? Uh, and I'll guarantee you, you're not going to go away empty, okay? Because you can just see this body's well-maintained. Um, but uh, if you have no place to go and you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just stick around. We'll have a word of prayer when we get out there. Things, they get the food all set up. We'll have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll partake in fellowship and then come back at 1 o'clock uh, to be in here. Right? Am I missing anything? Okay. Let's have it. Oh, ladies' meeting. Well, it's going to have to be really quick because they have the food. And we're, we're not going to let them tie us up on a big meeting. So quick, ladies. You'll need to hurry right over here. It'll be quick and we'll eat. Okay. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your great love for us. My, you've been so good in my life. I just... Uh, hard to contain the excitement of all that you've done for me. I just praise you for praise you for it. I pray that you would help me to be mindful. Help me not to get so busy or distracted that I forget your goodness to me. Lord, uh, as we look into your word, we're thankful that it is a sure word of prophecy. That those prophecies that... Uh, have been fulfilled, have been fulfilled, and we know that we're waiting on some to be fulfilled, like the rapture, like the millennial reign of Christ. Lord, we pray and ask that you would give us wisdom and patience, give us understanding of your word, help us to become students of your word, to study, to identify, to not be become... Uh, Frightened, if you would, by the things that are going on in this world, but to recognize that the end is near, that your coming is soon. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for signs that we can look to and go, oh, yeah, that's just kind of right along the lines of what's going to happen. Thank you for it. I pray that you would uh, go before us, give us traveling mercies, or if we stay, then give us a good time fellowship. And then, Lord, I uh, pray that. Uh, you would be with the preaching to follow, that it might bring honor and glory to your holy name. We love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. God bless you.